It's fantasy fiction for rat day. Today I'm reading chapter 36 of The Dragon Collector for you. I did not like writing this chapter. An innocent kid got hurt and I couldn't let my hero help him. As I wrote the middle part of this chapter, I imagined it from three points of view. My main guy, Javen, the kid who got hurt, and the villain, Micah, who hurt the kid. At first, I thought Micah was pure evil for doing what he did. Then I remembered who Micah is and why he felt compelled to do what he did. I thus tacked on the short scene at the end to give you a glimpse into his mind. Let's go to Xandador! It's fantasy fiction Friday! That means it's time for an escape break with author DK Drake. This is the part of the show where your host, author DK Drake, reads you a snippet of one of her stories. So if you're intrigued by a world where dragons exist and people live for hundreds of years, stay tuned for a show designed for sheer entertainment purposes. Still here? Fantastic. Prepare for adventure, for you are now entering the land of Xandador. Chapter 36, Keeping Watch. The stillness of the river water beneath the moonlit sky calmed Javen's shattered nerves. Since the time they left the restaurant late that afternoon, everything had been a flurry of activity. Changing into the appropriate brown, bland attire, packing supplies, choosing octis, flying in zigzag fashion across Sandador to avoid detection, setting up camp, sparring with Hamilton, then Ravier, being quizzed by Aster, memorizing the plan to stop Esmeralda's execution and introduce him as a competitor for the throne. They were tucked in a quiet spot half a mile from the road that led to Elive, a tiny fishing town to the west. The capital city of Japheth was to their north, the river that divides Zandador just below his feet. He was taking the first watch while his three older traveling companions were getting some rest. He had volunteered to keep watch. With all that he had learned about Ravier earlier in the day, the rushed trip and the impending execution of his mother, he was too wound up to sleep anyway. He also couldn't help but wonder how different his life would be once people knew who he was and what he was attempting to accomplish by collecting dragons. He had lived in anonymity his whole life. Now all eyes would be on him. He was going to have people to lead and enemies to fight. Was he ready for such a life? Was he ready for the spotlight? What worried him more was whether or not he was ready for power. Could he handle it without losing his sense of self? Or would he let the attention and control change him and turn into an obnoxious, cocky, power-hungry scumbag like the Dark King he was going up against? One thing at a time, Javen, he told himself. One thing at a time. First, you have to survive the night. A few deep, cleansing breaths eased his worries as he gripped the handles of his stalker swords girded about his waist and tuned in to the sounds of the night around him. He was on duty and ready to attack if any man or animal dared disturb his watch. As midnight approached, Javen struggled to stay vigilant. He had caught himself dozing several times. Fortunately, he snapped to attention again whenever he heard the slightest sound, such as the breeze rustling the leaves or a small animal snapping a twig. But the noise that brought him back to attention at the moment was the sound of voices. The voices weren't coming from behind him in the camp he was guarding. They were coming from the direction of the town down the river. Had some of the townspeople spotted the camp? Without bothering to wake Hamilton, Ravier, or Aster, Javen made his way through the woods alongside the road to investigate. In a matter of minutes, he found himself looking at the town of Aleve. The dirt road he had been following snaked its way through a small cluster of log buildings situated along the riverbank. No light shone from any of the buildings, and Javen would have assumed the place was deserted if three men armed with swords weren't lingering at the edge of town. Two of them were sitting on rocks and leaning against the side of the outermost building. The third had his back to Javen. He was picking up rocks and tossing them into the... 
He was picking up rocks and tossing them into the river. Something about his muscle-bound physique and dreadlocks seemed familiar. When the man spoke, Javen recognized the voice. It belonged to Micah. Even though I'm going to miss toting her around and instilling fear in people, I am ready to see Esmeralda die tomorrow, Micah said, launching a rock into the water. We haven't had a good execution in a while. Javen's heart quickened. His mother was here, probably in that building less than a hundred feet from where he stood. He could sneak in, rescue her now, and avoid the potential fiasco of their plan falling apart tomorrow. He just needed to circle around and come at the building from the other side. I know what you mean, one of Micah's cohorts leaned forward. Our jobs get boring when we have no one to torture or kill. Micah chucked another rock. My thoughts exactly. Don't worry, boys, Javen muttered. Your lives are about to get a lot more interesting. He crouched and was about to sprint across the road when a skinny kid who looked to be about ten came whistling along. Javen immediately dropped to his knees behind a trio of thick trees and froze as he watched the kid continue his carefree journey toward the town. He had a quiver slung over his shoulder and was carrying a bow in one hand and the carcass of what looked to be an oversized badger in the other. It was the whistling that seemed to get the attention of Micah and the other two soldiers. They spread out to block the road. Micah positioned himself in the middle and waited with sword drawn. The happy tune of the whistling boy faded into the night as he approached the soldiers. "'What do we have here?' Micah said, circling the kid. "'A lawbreaker who chooses to ignore the curfew?' "'I... I... was... hunting,' he stuttered. "'My family needed to eat. I couldn't return empty-handed.' "'You will tonight!' Micah snatched the carcass and flung it into the river. The boy gasped. Javen considered helping the boy out by retrieving the dead animal but he had a hunch he could be of more help by staying put and seeing how things played out. He put his hands on his swords in case he needed to interfere in a hurry. The king's laws, Micah continued in his arrogant, judgmental tone, are to protect you from the dangers that lurk in these lands. He demands you are back in your homes by nightfall in order to keep you safe. Yes, sir. I'm sorry, sir. I cannot allow this blatant disregard for the king's curfew to go unpunished. Micah stuck the point of his sword under the boy's chin. On your knees. The kid hung his head and obeyed. Micah cut the quiver off the boy's back and sheathed his sword. He then unclipped the whip that hung from the side of his belt. I don't think so, Javen muttered. He drew his stalker swords and started to charge when someone grabbed his arm and pulled him back. You cannot stop this, Ravier said, whispering in his ear. The boy screamed as Micah lashed his back. Javen cringed and pulled against Ravier. That kid has done nothing wrong, Javen whispered. I have to stop it. Another lash. Another scream. You can't. Ravier tightened his grip on Javen's arm. Nor can I, as much as I would like to. We need our presence to be a surprise tomorrow. Otherwise, the plan will not work. A string of lashes followed by a string of screams. There has to be something we can do, Javen pleaded, tears filling his eyes. He didn't have the heart to look at the beating taking place, but he could feel every agonizing sound. The whip whistling through the air. Leather cutting flesh. Screams of the victim laughs of the lasher. He'll survive, Ravier said. Your mother won't if you help him now. This isn't right! Javen tried to move forward. Ravier pulled him back and hugged him, covering Javen's ears. When the beating stopped, Ravier let go. Javen forced himself to look up. Watching Micah kick the bleeding boy and send him crumpling to the ground sickened Javen. Get him out of my sight, Micah said, recoiling his whip. The two soldiers standing by picked the kid up and dragged him down the street while Micah clipped his whip back on his belt and resumed tossing rocks as though nothing had happened. Someday, Javen said quietly, glaring at Micah, I'm going to hold him accountable for what he just did. You can't unless you're king, Ravier said. Come, let's get back to camp. 
You need rest. Tomorrow's a big day. As they walked away, the kids' agonizing screams echoed in Javen's mind. That wasn't a sound he would soon forget. Throwing rocks in the river hadn't settled Micah's nerves after delivering that beating. He hoped food would help. When it didn't, he offered the midnight meal to the prisoner. Eat up. He removed Esmeralda's gag and handed her the plate of food through the bars. It's the last chance you'll have to eat before the dragon eats you. As he walked away, he heard her speak. I know it's an act. He stopped. Keeping his back to her, he said, What are you talking about? You. You put on a tough show with that whip of yours, but hurting people bothers you. You don't want it to, but it does. How did she know? He had never told anyone that secret. You're not your father, she continued. You don't have to be so cruel. I disagree. He whispered his next words. Mastering the art of cruelty is the only way to survive when you're a son of the Dark King. If you enjoyed today's Escape Break episode but don't want to wait to find out what happens next, click on over to authordkdrake.com. There you can become a DK Drake insider, secure your free starter library, and access all the books from the Dragonstalker Bloodline saga that are available for sale on Amazon. In the meantime, I dare you not to dream of dragons tonight. <laughs>